I give you a new commandment, that you love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Amen. This story, the one we just heard, is the reason I follow Jesus. Mindful of how strange it might feel to say, for me, this is the story that makes me say, Jesus, you are my Lord and my God, my Savior. I will follow you to the ends of the earth. The man was on death row. This was his last meal. I wonder if he labored over his final words to his friends. I wonder if when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, the nights and the weeks before, praying about what he would say at his last supper with friends, each farewell pregnant with consolation, significance, love. I wonder how this meal tasted of freedom. I can almost smell the bread and taste the bitter herbs, the Passover Seder that they observed as faithful Jews. You can imagine holding the earthen plates in time-worn hands and see all 13 of us gathered at the table, including Judas. Feel our feet tired and dusty, cracked, bleeding. These feet are weary from three years of traveling behind this man, walking. And we notice deep in our bellies our own fear of the murderous crowds, of the gathering riot, of the gathering people. And of course, the whole scene is bizarre. It defies cognition. We are frightened by the mob, mob mentality, and rightly so. Remember, just 120 hours ago, this same man rode on a donkey's colt to shouts of loud hosanna. Palm branches waving, we were there and cloaks covering the street to keep our feet clean for a Messiah in King David's lineage, the crowd expecting powerful white stallions, swords and armor and a military parade. But Jesus came to town on an unridden colt, God's holy fool jousting our expectations with humility. How often have we looked to ride in on a stallion when it would have been so much wiser for us to ride in on the donkey. And last Sunday, Christ rode not to the Colosseum for a rally with his base, but to the temple, and then to Bethany, that house of sorrow. So tonight, we meet Jesus at supper, waiting for him to make sense of it all. And I wonder if the disciples hung on his every word, the way we would if we knew this were our last supper with a friend about to die. Maybe he'll take a victory lap or put on fancy robes or wear a crown of gold. Maybe he'll pierce Pilate with revolutionary politics or perhaps, or perhaps become the warrior king so many expected. But no. He could have worn a crown. He could have carried a sword. But at supper, he took a towel. He removed his outer garments, and he wrapped the towel around himself, and he knelt before his friends in this 
incredible act of humility, of gracious hospitality, as Karen described earlier this evening. And then he held their tired, dusty, cracked, bleeding feet in his hands. Can you imagine what it feels like to feel another man's hand on your foot? And he washed them, and he dried them. Even the servants, the lowest of the servants, who would have been charged with washing feet, even they would have left water and a towel and a bowl, and then you wash your own feet. But Christ Jesus washed their feet, and he dried them with the towel around his waist, and they were perplexed, John tells us. After he had washed their feet, he put back on his robe, and he returned to the table and said, Do you know? what I have done to you. You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for that is what I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, then you ought to wash one another's feet. For I have set you an example that you might do the same to others. And then this mandate, which gives Maundy Thursday its name, I give you a new commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you you also should love one another. By this, people will know. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, my followers, the learners in my way. If you have love for one another, and can you imagine a better summary of what it means to follow Jesus? You know, there's a survey that the Pew Research Forum has done across the country when you ask people what are the words that come to mind when they hear the word Christian. The first two are hypocritical and judgmental. But this story, what's the first word that comes to mind? Is love. Self-emptying, self-giving, love for the other on the behalf of the other. Love existing for the sake of the world, giving itself away for the purpose of more love. Yet we, like Peter, I wonder, might be afraid to let God all the way in, to love with the brakes off, offered a chance for some of our most unpleasant body parts, our feet, to be held and washed and restored, we are ready to tell Jesus, no, that's too much. You can't wash my feet. That's, that's too personal. I'm not ready to let you in on that level. And perhaps on a deeper level, there is shame. We might try to hide from God there are secrets we wonder that maybe God can't even handle, right? And I think part of the poignancy of this night, part of the power of this story, is that just as Peter eventually relents and allows Jesus to serve him in the way that Jesus seeks, this foot washing is a powerful metaphor for grace. The parts of us that we aren't yet ready to show to God, God already knows. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts and minds, right? God already knows our heart, our mind, the person we see in the mirror. God is right there with us. And God meets us in that space and calls us in spite of, because of, through, and with all the story that we all carry with us. Still, by grace, God calls us forgiven, known, and loved with a specific purpose for the world. And then there is the sacrament of Holy Communion, which we receive this night. I am not 
one of those who have sort of a high and sort of precious view of the sacrament. I don't bow at the wafers or anything like that, but I, I think there's something very deep and perplexing and mysterious and beautiful and wonderful that the communion happens with all of us gathered. The sacrament is the outward sign of an inward and spiritual grace, and something meaningful happens when we gather together to obey the commandment that has been obeyed across the world for 2,000 years in all kinds of observations and ways. I love the way it's described in the Right One Eucharist service. The body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which was given for thee, preserve thy body and soul unto everlasting life. Take and eat this in remembrance that Christ died for thee and feed on him in thy heart by faith with thanksgiving. And then the chalice comes and you might hear the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, which was shed for thee. Preserve thy body and soul unto everlasting life. Drink this in remembrance that Christ's blood was shed for thee and be thankful. A short vignette here. It's about communion. My grandma was Eleanor Ray Wheaton. Ray to those who knew her, Nana to us. She was a lifelong Lutheran from Iowa, known for her quiet alto voice. She knew all the alto parts for all the hymns. She and Grampy were fabulous dancers. If there was a live band playing, they would cut a rug. She read us stories, all the stories she could think of in her library. And I still remember her impression of the snake talking to Frog and Toad. You may know the story. Hello, lunch, she would say, reading the story. Someone knows the story. But then she also said that every day at lunch. She would look at her plate and say, hello, lunch, during the story. And, and she coached the University of Iowa basketball team at every game. She was their unofficial coach. She was watching from home on their large wood-cased TV, which sat on the floor, and it was about this wide. And we tried to move it one time, and I, I swear to you, it was 200 pounds. She would say, pass the ball, pass the ball, move there. They don't listen to me. But she knew all the players by name, and she actually met them a few times. She didn't believe in recipes. She didn't need them. She made the best potato salad you ever had, the best macaroni and cheese you ever had. She would put a roast in the oven and go curl her hair and take a nap, and we would all wonder how to know when the roast was done, because there was no timer and there was no thermometer. And then she would wake up from her nap and declare the roast done. And it was, every time, perfectly done. She was a neighbor and a friend. She took coffee and cookies to her friends when they were sick or lonely or just looking for a friend. She was a mother and a wife, an incredible grandmother, an English teacher, a woman in the 30s and 40s teaching English. And then after Grampy died and she had entered end-of-life care, the local priest, because she had switched to an Episcopal church in town, brought her communion and shared a prayer with her. And this is the point of the story, the mystery of Jesus' real presence that we celebrate tonight on the night he institutes the Lord's Supper. Long after she was able to hold conversation, she still knew those hymns, those alto lines that she had sung all those years. And they sang some hymns together. I remember that he, he told me they sang Amazing Grace. And then he said to her, the body of Christ, the bread of heaven, the blood of Christ, the cup of salvation, Take this in remembrance that Christ lived, died, and rose for you, and be thankful. And do you know what she said? Wow. 
one of the last words she said in her entire life. So I don't know what happens in this sacrament, but I believe it is the outward expression of an inward and spiritual grace. We are participating in the greatest love story the world has ever known. And Jesus meets us here at God's table. And so tonight, having washed each other as Jesus did, I have something to say to you, which is that God loves you. God loves you so much that God sent Jesus into the world. And this grace is for you. And it's for me too. Every single one of us, ourselves, our souls, and our bodies, there is nothing we cannot bring to God. There are no secrets God cannot handle. This table is for you. So come, for grace will meet us here. And grace will lead us home. Amen.